0: Welcome to the Stop and
1: Think podcast. I'm your host, Will Dole. Thank you for listening. Hope you're enjoying. If you are enjoying, if you could go give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, that helps with visibility. And today I am joined by a guest, uh, Yanni Gratzinopoulos, has over 20 years of consulting, training, and coaching experience within both the nonprofit and business worlds. He's a regular subject matter expert guest on podcasts focused on ministry, leadership, business, and communications. He spent over a decade traveling as a preacher and and public speaker. He successfully led and co-led multiple nonprofits and businesses, including nonprofits and businesses that he started and that he currently runs. His leadership roles have spanned from startups and churches to Fortune 200-based organizations and include the titles of president, owner, senior pastor, regional sales coordinator, director of operations, state training coordinator, and performance coach. Yanni utilizes all this experience and success to now bring transformation and growth to churches and small businesses through coaching and consulting. He's an ordained pastor who holds a degree in church leadership with a minor in psychology. He's married with one child and they live in Meridian. He spends most of his free time with his family and loves to be outdoors as much as he can, which makes Idaho a great place to be. Uh, And so, welcome to the Stop and Think podcast, Yanni.
2: Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. I could not be more excited to be on.
1: Yeah, well, maybe before we get going, you could just give us a little bit of background about yourself. I mean, anything that wasn't in the bio there, like uh, maybe your your faith story. Um, Yeah, kind of, kind of how you came to be where you're at.
2: Yeah. No it it's, it's interesting. I actually hate my bio. Can we just start there? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's all it's true, but I, I I'm like, why, why does anybody need to know that? But I get it right. People need to know, Hey, this is the experience that I have. Um, it just, I don't know, Feels so showboaty. anyway. Um, I actually, I came out of Bible college and I was about to launch to be an evangelist and uh a mentor of mine said no no don't don't do that come under somebody else's vision Mm. really good advice so i did so i spent a couple years um in the pastoral role and then finally i'm like all right time to go and so i i got out on the evangelistic field i traveled the country um mostly the west coast but uh did have some cool stints in the East, some of my favorite places now in the country. Um, and and just speaking, teaching, preaching. And I would have these pastors come up to me and go, hey, how do I do this? And I've always kind of, I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I've had a calling of helping folks, right? And, and I, I did it from the time that I was a teenager as a Christian. And so these pastors were coming, hey, how do I, and back then we didn't call it coaching. There weren't these sexy words for it. It was just, I was a pastor helping other pastors. And that never really stopped. Um, I left the evangelistic field, got back into pastoring and found myself in my first senior pastorate role, um, my only senior pastor role, but pastoring a bivocational church. And that was my stint into the business world and God opened massive doors. I mean, massive doors. I give him total credit, all credit for this because I, within about a year, year and a half, I skipped like four or five promotion runs Hmm. and was a a corporate trainer and coach uh, for a a fortune 200 organization and uh, associated with that organization. And so All of a sudden, he's just here I am doing what I've been doing, but now in the business world. And I actually spent quite a few years doing it in the business world. I was a sales coach and performance coach. And then I was a leadership coach for businesses. And then I coached coaches and then I ran a coaching company. And and about a year ago, the Lord was like through a friend of mine said, hey, I'll put it the way my friend put it. He said, have you ever considered coaching pastors? Hmm. And I laughed. And he goes, what? I said, I have coached pastors. I do coach pastors. I'm not coaching pastors. He goes, why not? (laughs) And I said, and and I've, I mean, I've I've never stopped, but I do it for friends, acquaintances on the side. I'm "I'm not, I'm not going to go and do this. He goes, why not? I'm like, because they don't want it. They can't pay for it. I don't want to do it. A week later, another friend of mine is like, you need to, you need to do this and coach pastors. And I'm like, not knowing what this other guy said, like, okay, this, this has to be the Lord. The next day I get a text message. Well, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. I get a text message from a friend of mine that has a scripture verse. I've known this guy for 15 years, 15 years. I went back and looked at every text message, every email he has ever sent me. His he, he never has sent me a scripture verse until this day. And it's the end of like first Corinthians 14, I think it was, or second Corinthians 14. And it's literally the verse was do the work of the Lord. Hmm. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm coaching pastors. Fine. Um, and so I, I do still coach business owners. It helps pay the bills, but, um, And, and, and I'm, I still present on podcasts or presenting on podcasts and stuff like that. But the main focus now is just helping these pastors be better pastors. Um, And even with the businesses that I do, helping these business owners just be better at it.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. This is totally off from anything I said I was going to ask you, but now I'm looking this, this is an audio medium, but I'm looking at you in video and behind you, you've got like a circle that's multiple times around. Is that significant or is
2: it's my wife decor? Oh, well, that's super cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how
1: would you describe, so you're, you're coaching pastors, you're, you're helping them do what they do better. How would you, I, I would assume you're coaching to help them a be healthy themselves, but also to help the church be healthy. So how would you describe a healthy church?
2: Okay. Let me answer that question by asking you one thing. The, the most of your listeners here, are they, are they faith-based? If I go deep into some of that, are they going to get offended? I don't want to, no, no, no,
1: you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine.
2: Okay. So Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit. And, and I, I think I just had this discussion with my daughter, but, uh, when I walk up to a tree, it's, if, if you're ever in Costco or, or a nursery and you see young trees, a lot of the fruit trees actually look the same. You got to look at the tag and be like, oh, this is an apple tree. Oh, this is an orange tree. Until you see apples and oranges, you, you know the tree by its fruit. So, in the same way, am I seeing the fruits of the Spirit in the life of, of this pastor? Am I seeing the fruits of the Spirit in the life of this church? right? Are they, are are they operating in love? Is is there passion and connection? Do they understand their calling, right? The Bible says without uh, vision, the people perish. Okay. Do they have vision? Uh, The Bible says without hope deferred makes the heart sick. Okay. Uh, Are they, is this a church where there's sorrow and depression, physical sickness? Let's take a look at, at where hope is. So I just I really try to just take the Bible and what the Bible says and apply that in. And, and candidly, are they doing the work of the ministry? Right. Once, once you've seen what healthy looks like. So it's an old analogy, but the people who do the counterfeit uh, for the FBI, right. They, They are on the counterfeit task force. They don't look at all the, false counterfeit dollars Mm -hmm. they study the real thing so that the fake is obvious right once you've seen healthy anything but healthy is clearly unhealthy
1: Hmm. so Maybe maybe this kind you already answered this question a little bit, but how if as a as a consultant, how do you help a church measure those things? I mean, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control—like these are hard things to quantify, you know, in a in a statistical measurement.
2: So it's it's interesting because I start to I I focus that on what they perceive their need Hmm.
3: because if if they're always short on money, then that's not the fruit. Love, joy,
2: peace, patience, kindness, righteousness, goodness. Well, where's that in, in the fruit?
0: Hmm.
2: Well, the, that that would be goodness. If If you're moving in the goodness of God, you're a giver because God's a giver. Right right so so when you can quantify the health by looking at the need and and as a whole healthy churches have a smaller quantity of need because need is the opposite of health
1: so when you're you're using the term need there you're You are using it as like the opposite of of health, as in things that that are going wrong.
2: Things that are going wrong, things that are constant struggles, things that aren't going right. Um, If I talk to it, right, it's going to tell me it's going to quant. So where's the the quantification, right? People aren't getting saved. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Jesus said they should be. The harvest is plentiful. He promised 30, 60, 100 fold. So people aren't getting saved. How many people did you guys not just get saved, but baptized? You're supposed to be making disciples, right? So so there are the numbers, you know, tell a story. And what the problem that a lot of people make in church is they go, hey, the numbers are, by the way, this is a problem that a lot of people make in business too. It works the same way. The numbers are wrong. Fix the numbers wrong the numbers are wrong fix the sickness that's causing the bad numbers healthy church healthy business it works the same
1: yeah i mean i guess the analogy there would be just be to like the health of the body you know so often we're we're trying to medicate or or fix a a, a symptom rather than the underlying issue spot on so one of the things you mentioned a, a little bit earlier was the importance of vision and, and what specifically, what kind of problems does a lack of clear vision create in a, in a church or ministry?
2: Uh, all of them. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, again, without vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. It, when you start to take a, that's a really hard Grand Canyon line of demarcation, Right. Most people don't go, oh, yeah, without proper vision, people die. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Well, Yanni, it's metaphorical. It's not talking (laughs) physical death. Okay. I don't think that's the case, but I don't know about you. I don't want any. What death are we talking? Emotional death, religious death, organizational death? I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Without vision, the people perish. So it, it, it... it causes every problem. Why? You know, one of the powerful things about the prophecies talking about Jesus is they didn't just give us a, hey, there he is, like a litmus test to recognize him. That it was the vision of his purpose. Just because humanity didn't understand it, now we do after the fact. Right, We look back at Isaiah and we go, oh yeah, he was the suffering servant. By his stripes we're healed. I mean, the cross and, and, and the sacrifice he did is all over that. Mm-hmm. Well, God understood the purpose. Jesus came with the vision. Now, some theologians debate, did he have the whole vision? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he got some of it when he was in the transfiguration with Moses and Elijah. But, but, but the point is, right? he's telling the disciples we're going to jerusalem i'm gonna die Mm -hmm. unless the son of man be lifted up why he's telling them this is the vision guys think about this think about this when we're talking church health. um and i actually i just had this conversation so that that the, with, with somebody and and the Lord gave it to me, I even tease him. I'm like, Ooh, this will preach. I need to keep this. Um, (laughs) If a, if a pastor or a board or a a pastoral staff in today's society looked at a church congregation and said, guys, we don't have time. We are so busy in prayer and preaching and ministry of the word We don't have time to feed the destitute widows. Mm. So, we're going to raise up seven people who have the Spirit of God. You guys go do that. We're going to focus on the ministry of the word. They'd be labeled heretics. I mean, they would be thrown out of the congregations. This is crazy. But that's exactly what the apostles did. Right. Because as As Paul says, you raise up the workers to do the work of the ministry. Why? Because the apostles had the vision. This is what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Now, now think about this. This is not my revelation. This was the guy I was talking to. This was what God spoke through him. If the apostles had not done that, there's no Stephen, the first martyr. Mm -hmm. Is there a Philip?
3: And do we have a Barnabas? Mm -hmm. And if there's no Barnabas, do we have a Paul?
2: All because the 12 apostles focused on vision. Without vision, the people perish.
1: And it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of the the analogy that Jesus uses. Like if they were so, if if today somebody were so busy with the ministry of the word and prayer, like we can't even conceptualize like what that kind of, dedication to to prayer and the word would be tangibly how do you let me just say well let me just
2: say here's the crazy thing we look and we go i don't want that my pastor but then you're sitting there on sunday morning and going gosh i really want to hear from the guy who focuses on word and prayer as Mm -hmm. an evangelist people always always like, oh, we love this evangelist. Well, you know what evangelist does? They focus on word and prayer because they don't have to run a church. So Mm -hmm. what if we freed our pastors to run less of the church and focus on the word of prayer? How different would things be? But to do that, you got to have a vision of what God wants. Okay, sorry, I'm going to get off my soapbox.
1: No, that's, I mean, but that's really important because so often what people want from the pastor throughout the week is to be here for my every need and then come Sunday Like we're upset that we're not hearing from God the way we should. So we go on to the next church, but we don't hear from God because some special guy stood up. It's just because he spent enough time with God that he had something from God to say
2: that you church member are preventing with your crazy expectations. Uh, Yeah. So, so the next time that you sit in a church and you're like, you know what, man, I wish my My pastor was a better preacher. Okay. So do something about it. Walk into his office that week or her office that week and say, hey, what, you, what are you doing? Yeah. What do you do all week? Oh, I plan this. I do this. Well, how can I help you just spend more time in the word, in mm. prayer? What can I get off your plate?
1: All right. Yeah. Well, maybe just kind of building off of that, uh, another question I was going to ask you is, what do you see as key indicators of success and failure in, in the
2: church? Jesus promised growth everywhere he would the kingdom of god is growth what did he say unless a seed dies not then it dies (laughs) unless the seed dies it will not grow but the kingdom of god it's a mustard seed it goes down and then it becomes one of the biggest uh, of these trees that shade and birds and and he talked about 30 60 uh, 100 growth by the way this all fits for business as well where god is growth is Every time, everywhere, every miracle was growth. There's only two times that I can think of right now in the New Testament where he's cursing. One is the fig tree and it withers. And then one is the religious leaders, which I think is ironic. Okay. And then possibly now the the prophecy against the temple wouldn't be a curse. It'd just be more prophecy. Maybe a curse. Depends on how you look at it. Okay. Growth is your church growing Oh, you're just thinking numbers yanni no you mean butts and seats no i'm not look if you're a pastor let's go back to where there is no vision the people perish all right so now everybody knows the vision you know one of the ways you know that the vision's going well is when the you again business church it doesn't matter same thing when your constituency comes to you with a fresh idea about how they can grow your business or your church that fits with the vision. Mm. Well, that never happens. Well, then you're not healthy because in a healthy environment, as a leader of a healthy environment, you should spend a bunch of your time going, Ooh, that's a great idea. Okay. Go work that out. How can we even do that? Right. uh, Healthy brings growth let me use a a, a garden analogy because it fits and jesus did all the time as well I, I live in in the boise metropolitan area
3: it's high desert nobody's out in the desert with a lawnmower right why because it there ain't nothing growing but where everything is
2: irrigated that's where you're pruning. That's where you're cutting. That's where you're directing. Growth is where the work is. And, and success, is, success is not hard to, to spot. It, it, you're in denial if you can't look at success. It, it, because death is easy to spot too. We just, we just don't want to look at. We don't want to take off the rose-colored glasses and acknowledge truth.
1: Maybe related to that, um, you've you've got an article on your website from May that that talks about when we when we institutionalize, we dehumanize. Can you, can you unpack what you mean by that a little
3: bit? Yeah. So I look at churches today, and, and, and I often wonder we ask for Jesus to come into the church. Do we really want that to happen? Hmm. Because I, I, I I was, I was
2: interviewing. um, This was years ago. I was interviewing for a church. It was a large church and it was a a new position on their staff. And the pastor said it was a connections pastor. Um, and, and I, I was, I was pretty, pretty well qualified for this. I said, tell me a little bit more about this. He goes, well, we're a large church. We have over a thousand people. And we had a consulting firm come in. And the consulting firm said that we're out of
3: touch with our people. Hmm. I said, you as the pastor? He goes, no, the entire staff uh, wow, you shouldn't be talking to me, dude. You, you, your whole staff should be on, on
2: their face before the Lord. Like, okay. Okay. But, but fine. And he goes, so we realized that we, we need to hire a pastor to bridge that gap. Okay. That's another red flag, but, but okay, fine. Um, and, and, and so what do you mean bridge the gap? Well, you know, really, really connect with people. And I'm like, got it. So you want to hire a connections pastor to deeply connect with five or 10 uh, basically relational leaders in the church who will then ripple effect that out and really bring about congregational connection and, and have that bridge to the staff. And I'm thinking, I just nailed it. Hey, this could be a fun job. And he goes, no. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, what on what earth?
1: do you want? Yeah, what
2: do you want? <laughs> and this is what he said to me. He said, I want the connections, pastor. I want you to be so connected with the congregation. They invite you to Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, and every birthday. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me you want one person, the connections, pastor, to be intimately connected with over a thousand people? And, and it was the way he responded. I, I'll never forget. He goes, yeah, yeah. Literally just stop short of saying, now you got it. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh well, you know what? I can't because I'm gonna grow wings and fly to Mars for NASA. Well, <laughs> this is this, this is an institutional church. Hmm. How do you get there? Well, this is why we have small groups. And I'm not bagging small groups. I'm not bagging large churches. I've seen institutional small churches. Right. And and what happens is, is when you institutionalize, you have to take the human element out of it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was, this is why Jesus cursed the Pharisees. They had institutionalized his religion. They had put the Sabbath over
3: people. Stop it. Stop it. It's about people. Well, but Yanni, you said numbers and we're growing.
2: Okay. You're growing in one area. It means you have a wonderful church product. And I'm not saying that it's bad, but you don't go. Yeah. We grow in this one area. Hmm. Weeds grow, by the way, don't look at a weed farm and go, Hey, we're growing. Or don't, right. I, I don't look at my garden and go, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We are growing turnips. I can grow turnips better than anybody else. What about the rest of the garden? Forget the rest of the garden. I can grow turnips. Okay, so you can put a bunch of butts in seats. Are you putting butts in heaven? Hmm. Sorry, I, I,
3: man. No, that's, I, I don't mean to be so good. Question. But
2: but these things just, this, this is my life. This is my world. This is my passion.
1: Yeah. Well, as you're working with pastors and working through these issues, uh, one, one of the major Issues that that pastors face is burnout. So maybe as we kind of work towards a close here, uh, maybe you could just say a little bit about about burnout, some of the indicators, and and maybe how to prevent it, what to do about it.
2: Yeah. So I'm gonna let me just. I I have a whole thing on this. I do a whole training on this. Like you said, there's there's a article on our website. We're about to release another one, hopefully soon, about it. So I'll kind of go through this quick. Burnout has four stages. And I'm going to focus on stage one, but the difference between there's no difference in the um, symptoms between stage one and stage two, just the potency Hmm. stage one. It happens every once in a while stage two, it's happening all the time stage three. It's now affecting the ministry or the business stage four is just root bitterness. You're just bitter. And, and people always think, well, I'll never get to that. Well, wherever you are, it's negatively affecting the people around you. Right. If you don't look at burnout as cancer, then you're going to respond as if you had cancer and didn't treat it as cancer. All right. So here are a couple of uh, the ways that you can look to see. These are the early. These are the signs of burnout. Are you easily distracted during work? <laughs> so. Should you be working right now and you're listening to this podcast? That's a perfect example.
0: Mm.
2: Finish the podcast, but then understand, okay, do you have a knot in your stomach every Saturday night for pastors or every Sunday night for business people, right? Does vacation feel more like a work release program from your prison? Do you find yourself ripping into coworkers and staff, maybe even bosses over minuscule things? Now, here's one that's really interesting. And this one's actually the first one. Have you stopped catching yourself spending free time, like in the shower where your brain is usually off, dreaming about what you want to accomplish at work? Well, I've never done that. And you might be in the wrong role. But for those that move in a place of passion and calling, this is the first thing to go. When you start to burn out, if you can't remember the last time you started daydreaming about the, what you want to accomplish at work, you're starting to burn out Hmm. when you start seeing some of these signs sporadically stage one, when you see these things consistently stage two, when these things start to degrade the health of the organization, the staff, the culture stage three, stage four is root bitterness. And, and let me leave you with what to do about it. Stage one, take some time off get some perspective from the Lord, get before the Lord and and ask him for some changes. Stage four, it's a binary decision. Stay or go, yes or no. That's it, that's it. You, you, You could take six months off. You're still gonna come back to that. The moment that you say, yes, I'm gonna stay, you automatically move back to stage three. If you were in stage two or stage three, very simple. Get before the Lord, get on your face, and then get with somebody like me. Do not navigate stage two or stage three by yourself.
1: That's, that's really helpful. That's, that's useful. Uh, I've definitely been in those places before and, and help was exactly what was needed. Uh, just perspective and being somebody being able to see the situation outside of my own head. So Spot on. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Um, thank you for your time. Yanni, uh, do you have uh, anything you want to kind of share with the audience in conclusion places they can see more about you and your work?
2: Yeah. So our website is gratsllc.com. G-R-A-T-S-L-L-C.com. We have a free training page. It has so many articles dedicated to health and success uh, of, of the church, of leaders, of pastors, business owners, um, there, is, there is probably literally a couple hours of reading. Uh, there's a couple videos. There's a couple audio sermons. Uh, there's so much content there to just drive into health. Um, the, for pastors, we have an evaluation page where you can really start to evaluate, hey, do I need some help, right? So I'm not in burnout. If you're in burnout, stage two or stage three, you need help, just reach out. But do I, because not every pastor needs help. Right. Not every pastor or needs help in that moment. Maybe things are going great and, 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 and the evaluation will really help you prove it. It'll be that outside thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to leave your listeners with this. Listen, don't be a part of the problem. If you're if you're a churchgoer, you're not a pastor or a leader. Don't be a part of the problem. Don't don't expect out of your pastor things that are going to take away from the ministry of the word. If you're, if you're a business owner or a pastor or a leader, make the changes, right? And if you don't know how, and this is what I want to say to everybody, then get help. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's humiliating. Yeah. That's why God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's what I want to leave you with. Just get help.
1: Yeah, that, That's a good word to end on Thank you Yanni for your time And there will be links to, to those sites in, in the show notes So this has been the Stopping to Think Podcast I'm your host Will Dole. Thank you for listening the
0: sky, Cloudy and blue above, A world full of truth Where folks Gather around Pictures that move Their thoughts dance in place To the bohemian groove